You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. In a world where film studios have pillaged every young adult novel, DC'd every comic book series, and Frankenstein every silver screen monster in search of the next movie mega franchise. Two nerds. Two movies. One cinematic universe. This is Jasper. And this is Randy. We watch two movies. About guys that drive cars. <laughs> Alrighty. Hey Jasper, what did we watch? What 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 did we watch? Well, we watched Drive from 2011 and The Transporter from 2002, which I didn't know was that old. <laughs> it is, yeah, 2002. Oh. Uh, so the reason we watched these movies, for one, the Jason Statham, <laughs> as I apparently kept saying last episode, nobody pointed it out though at me. I pointed it out to myself, but the Jason Statham connection. Between Transporter and uh, Crank 2 from last episode. Yep. But also, because apparently these two movies are two of our favorite movies. Not both of them necessarily, but The Transporter, I found out, was one of your favorite movies. Yep. And I was like, oh, I've been waiting for something to pair with one of my favorite movies, Drive. And I figured this was the perfect double feature because they're like roughly about the same thing, only... Completely different. Only not. (laughs) Only not. They're the same, yet wildly different. Yep. So, you want to lead with Drive? Yeah, we'll lead with Drive. Okay, so Drive is about a mysterious Hollywood stuntman and mechanic who moonlights as a getaway driver and finds himself in trouble when he helps out his neighbor. It is directed by Nicholas Winding Reffin. Nicholas Winding Reffin? Reffin? Reffin, is that how you say it? Okay. Uh, writers are Hossein Amini on screenplay, and James Salas wrote the book. Mm-hmm. Um, it stars Ryan Gosling as the driver, Carrie Mulligan, Brian Cranston as Shannon, and Albert Brooks as Bernie Rose. Oh, you're forgetting an important one. Is that Oscar Isaac? Nope. Ron Perlman. Yeah, Ron Perlman as Nino. Nino. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, he's not a main character, but it's freaking Ron Perlman. Yeah, it kind of got me. I was like, oh, look, Ron Perlman's in here. Yeah, right, right. Since we're still on casting, side note, Carrie Mulligan, I like in this. And I did not realize until looking up information on this movie just uh, the other day, she plays the lead in a very popular Doctor Who episode called Blink. I didn't realize that was the same lady. She does look familiar, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I've seen in her in something before. Although she'd been a, like, a, she was in, it. I haven't seen Doctor Who just yet, but. <laughs> oh, you start Doctor Who. You're going to sidetrack this. You're going to derail this entire podcast take, series. Take the whole I'll be like, so, oh, so you're watching Doctor Who now? That's what we're doing. <laughs> it's Doctor Who episode one against Doctor Who episode two. <laughs> Cinematic universe. <laughs> there have been Doctor Who movies that have, that are not canon. There are old Doctor Who movies. We I might bring those in someday, but I don't want that to be your first exposure to Doctor Who. So, <laughs> okay. Anyway, sidetracked. Drive. 
I want you to start. I want to I want to hear your opinions on this. You had not seen this before? I have never seen this movie. I've heard of it when it came out in, in 2011. I did want to see it. The reason why I like Transporter is is because, of course, I love driving. But I wanted to see this movie when it came out. And I never got around to it. The, yeah, this movie was totally... I thought it was going to be like, say, Baby Driver mm. or Transporter. But it was totally like... I felt like almost it was like a GTA GTA game and movie. <laughs> really? Like you're on this like mission, you know, or you think you're just a driver and then suddenly you're, you know, a killing maniac. But <laughs> <laughs> he, he does go maniac. I thought the style of this movie was really good. Mm-hmm. The content was just really crazy. Like you think he's going to do one thing, he does the totally opposite. Mm-hmm. But I almost thought, again, like I said to you before, it was I thought he wasn't going to talk at all in this movie. <laughs> I thought you just could have just stare at people all the, time. the whole time, <laughs> say no words. He says very little, but the styling, the gore was like it wasn't technically over the top, but it wasn't like almost fake. I would say no, like, it, it legitimately happens. <laughs> yeah, it was realistic gore. Yeah, just extremely gory. They actually did. I felt like they did the the car mechanics well. I feel like they did the engine sounds really well. Like it okay. felt like the car was actually accelerating. Like some movies are like, Mah! and like you could already tell the car was already like in a higher gear. Uh-huh. And then they just dropped the sound of a motor in there. That whole first scene when he's driving around the robbers, it was just like, he's, you hear the car like speed up. And he's like, every time he sees a cop, he's like, no, I'm out of here. <laughs> you could tell too, I, I was getting into it. Cause like, I could tell him like, all right, you know, just back up into that alley. And then he actually backs up in the alley. Uh huh. What was it? What was your take on Drive? Transporter was one of your favorite movies, so that would make Drive one of my favorite movies, and it is. I love this movie. You mentioned that opening scene. I like how it's done. There's very little dialogue through the whole scene. It's very much like the movie. The opening scene is very much like the movie, where it alternates between quiet moments where they're like, "Does that cop car see us?" Or he's at one point he's literally tailing the cop. It alternates between that quiet, like tension and boom, loud sounds. They got to get away. I thought it was very well done, that opening scene. But as a whole, yeah, I don't know. I love this movie. I I like that alternating quiet moments or in this case, kind of like emotional moments to, yeah, over the top violence, just insane violence. And when there is violence, it's just, it's kind of realistic in that it's just, an explosion of violence. Things just happen. Somebody gets attacked and it's loud and all this. It's and, like a guy has like his hand again. on the on the dial and it's like two, two, ten, two, yeah, two, two, ten. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so far to where two, two, one, one, silence. And just <laughs> gosling staring. <laughs> Ryan Gosling and Carrie Mulligan just staring at each other. <laughs> I like that too. So when this movie came out, I know one lady attempted to sue the studio for mis- what is it? What do they call it? False advertising? Because she was expecting, a lot of people were disappointed. They were expecting this big, I'm guessing, transporter style, crazy action movie with um, insane driving stunts and stuff. And what they got is occasional bursts of violence and action. Not a lot of action. The driving sequences that are there, there aren't that many, but when they're there, they're, I think they're really good. And then the rest of the movie is this very like kind of not low key, but very quiet, slow thing, you know? It's almost kind of like a mafia movie and a driving movie. The mafia aspect is, I mean, that's where the plot comes in. 
Because without that, you really just have Ryan Gosling driving around in a car or standing and staring at Carrie Mulligan. But I would say the mafia aspect is it's needed, but it's kind of the weakest aspect of the movie for me just because of how it's done. Like, I, I don't get a sense that there's you see other guys in Nino's place. That's Ron Perlman. He's kind of the main Ron Perlman and Albert Brooks are the two villains, I guess you'd say, quote unquote villains. They're, they're the two like mob guys. Mm hmm. And you see other people in Nino's joint, but for the most part, I don't get a sense that like their organization is really any bigger than those two guys being angry in Nino's joint. You know what I mean? Like they have money to throw around. Obviously they have drivers and there's, there's occasionally people around, but like the mob doesn't seem very big. Like it doesn't seem like there's really much to it beyond that. That's I'd say the main flaw is it feels small and it's okay that most of the movie feels small. Like the world feels kind of small, but I'd say that's the main flaw for me of the movie. But overall, I love it. I like the tone, even though it's kind of manipulative and a lot of the emotion comes from longing stares and 80s influenced synth music like it works for me. So I like the emotional content. I like the feel of it, even when it's kind of cheesy, even when it's just a real human being. I enjoy it. I think it's good. In terms of a real relationship, I don't know how well the Ryan Gosling character and Carrie Mulligan character would work out in the long run. But and even though they pretty much just stare at each other, like I like it. I like the dynamic they have going there. I like the thing between them where he is just trying to kind of care for her for mm -hmm. a while. Kind of putting it with another movie is, uh, is, say like Dunkirk. I've seen Dunkirk. Mm -hmm. They kind of have where there's not really a lot of talking. Mm-hmm. And this movie, I felt like did that like correct, like Dunkirk. I'm like, would someone just say something, or like, would something else happen? Okay. <laughs> but these, like, this one did it was like, like you said, quiet, 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 and then bam, like, like holy crap! At first, I'm like, man, this is just weird. Like they're just kind of staring at each other. <laughs> but I think the movie had enough going on for it to be okay with me. Okay, cool. I, I was I was concerned about how this movie would strike you. I kind of expect you to not enjoy the movie, but then again, like I'm biased, but I think it's a good movie. Like, I think it's a solid movie. I guess I could see why some people wouldn't be into it because the pacing is a little weird. It's a little slow. Yeah. But actually, I don't know. It moves around at a fine pace. It's just where there's normally a lot of talking. Those are the scenes that are maybe a little slower. For me, it never drags on to being unbearable. Sure. They stare at each other, but they say things. They just take their time saying them visually. I think this movie is fantastic. I love the look of it. The The cinematography is great. There's so many good shots and there's so many shots of just like at one point, I guess towards the end when Brian Cranston's character towards his exit of the movie. Yeah. It's in that garage and just even in the garage, like warm golden sunlight through the, through the bay doors just the way it's shot, it looks fantastic. And it's just a garage, you know? Yeah. So I really enjoy the visual look of this movie as well. Also kind of tapping back on the on the tension. Mm -hmm. Felt like a lot of times with the cinematography, like you were in the car with him. Like mm -hmm. you were sitting there watching lights go across his eyes <laughs> yeah. and riding with him. But I like the style of it. The style of it was really good. They did, it was dark, but not like... You know, dark, dark, bad. It's not like it's <laughs> not like seven. Yeah, dark. I was about to say seven dark. It's not kind of like where seven was. It's not like dirty and moody. muddy. Yeah, exactly. And moody. It's it's dark. Most of it takes place at night. Not all of it, but 
even then it's still kind of bright mm-hmm. and uh, it's well lit. Just the composition is killer. It's like what I always kind of call like Vegas, Vegas lighting. And it's dark, but it's like bright. It's like bright neon almost. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it was almost like that nightlife feeling. Like mm-hmm. he's driving through the city and stuff. And there are, there's a lot of scenes where he's just driving and not like getaway car driving. He's just driving. <laughs> right. He's a, and, and when him, and when, unless he's just like sitting in their apartment, hanging out when they do things, it's driving <laughs> drive is perfect. Like the title, because that's what he does. Even right. like that's his date night. That's, that's everything. He'll take him driving through that, uh, that area in LA. I know you can't really drive down there, but what, what do you call it? In GTA 5, I always drove down there. Where the Ferris was at? No. Big ravine area. Oh, um, runoffs. Yeah. He's driving down there. Yeah. I enjoy that because I'm like, GTA. There's an actual name for those and I can't remember it. But GTA. Basically you, where the, the slanted cement walls and yeah. there's the creek going in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned GTA and that's that's kind of interesting to me. I hadn't really thought about it other than the fact that uh, that one scene always made me think GTA because of driving down in that area. But I do kind of see your point, whereas something like Transporter or Baby Driver, where it's more kinetic, I don't know, Drive has that kind of, that colorful look mixed with like the kind of a somewhat grounded, dark crime world. Yeah. But Drive obviously doesn't have like any of the humor that GTA has, but it does have the somber moments, you know, because GTA will still try to go for that somber feel sometimes. Mm -hmm. So that's an, I guess that's an interesting comparison that you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, because there's there was in Grand Theft Auto Four there was a DLC called The Ballad of Gay Tony, mm-hmm. and this is what this movie felt like. <laughs> that whole driving, but also kind of a killer type thing. Yeah, and it wasn't your character. He was mainly the driver for for Tony. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why I was like, and The Ballad of Gay Tony had that kind of neon. They didn't go full eighty style. I mean, GTA Four. You want to? That's the that's definitely the, like the more somber, dark of the series. Yeah. They also, if you think about it, four kind of the cinematography on four, like just the play style, was almost kind of like a seven darkness. If you think about it, and then it was like at night when, especially Gal- with Roman, yeah, yeah, when the ballad came, ballad of Gay Tony came out, it was like kind of went into that drive mm-hmm. sc- scenery. So then, would you say maybe okay, and this th- isn't totally accurate. If I can, if I remember right, I think you could only do the missions at night. Was Lost and Damned maybe? Oh, I don't know that. I don't know, but was yeah, Lost was, and Damned, would that be kind of, I guess that'd be like Sons of Anarchy or something. There's a wrong Perlman connection, but so would that be like the crank two uh, or right. something where it's all like <laughs> industrial areas and warehouses and I know crank, like it's not like white trash, but just trashy people, you know? Right. Welcome to Grand Theft Cinematic Universe <laughs> where we figure out how every movie ties into Grand Theft Auto series. Right. <laughs> I think we've mentioned that before. <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh, got Cinevapic and this one so this movie I'm not going to necessarily say started the 80s nostalgia throwback in movies and music but I know like synthwave and 80s throwback synth music was around before this obviously because they have like a lot of the soundtrack is that kind of music but I as somebody who's been kicking around like the online synthwave scene for several years now I know for a fact a lot of people were heavily influenced by this movie. So I know this movie had an impact and kind of aided in the explosion of that music, which was kind of inevitable because nostalgia goes in cycles, right? But, I mean, I think this is one of the first mainstream modern movies to kind of take that aesthetic. I mean, the credits, like, think of the, the it's got that hot pink cursive 
lettering, you know? Right. This could easily be set in the 80s. Like, Oh, yeah, for sure. But that was like, what time, I wonder what year it's supposed to be. But I know that, that the Impala he drives at first is like at least a 2011. It's contemporary. Or 2008. I should say it's 2008 Impala. And I think there's, I think people use cell phones and stuff, but it really could be any time period. Also, I think the big thing we kind of missed too was, do, did you, you saw, of course you did, but uh, the saw the watch on his steering wheel, mm-hmm. where he said his thing is like the five, you have five minutes. Uh-huh. But I, that one, I think it was this, when he's with the guy, Standard is his name, which is mm-hmm. a real weird name. But when he's with Standard, you hear the, you hear that ticking so loudly. He's like, uh-huh. I was waiting for it to just go ding. <laughs> yeah. And then just watch him drive off. <laughs> so, okay, let's talk a little bit about the plot because the synopsis leaves off with like he befriends his neighbor and he does. Um, it's this, this woman and her child whose husband is in prison at that time, Standard, who you mentioned. And they kind of have a thing like um, Gosling and the neighbor, Carrie Mulligan. But they don't like really hook up. They hang out all the time and he takes her on drives and he like hangs out with them at their house and they held hands like that's as far as they had gone. But then her husband gets out of jail. And so there's a bit of awkwardness there. I, I, I think I mentioned it before we started recording, but I like that scene where he first, the husband first meets him, meets mm-hmm. Gosling. It's just that awkwardness in the hallway where he's like, you know, so you've been a, what, what's the son's name? I can't remember. Benicio or Benito. Something like that. He's like, he says you've been coming around a lot, helping out a lot. You just got this like, huh. There was also a point where he like repeats himself. He's like, did, did you hear me? And he's just like staring down. <laughs> you know what? That's so funny because that's one of the few times where Gosling's character does his normal thing like he does through the whole movie. He just stares at him and waits like five minutes before saying anything. And when he says something, it's always, it's always so soft. Yeah. Yeah. He's just barely there, right? Yeah. But he does that to the husband in this scene. And it's one of the few times where a character in the movie reacts to Gosling like a real person would like, uh, you just, you just going to stare at me? Like, what is this? Like, he has this reaction to him. And I understand like it's, yeah, this dude's kind of weird. And he's, this is the guy that's been hanging out with my family while I've been in prison. been helping my wife out while I was in prison. Like, you know, and he's kind of impatient, but. Yeah, it's one of the few scenes where uh, the character re- where a character reacts to Gosling's like pacing, kind of like a real world character it's, would. It'd always be funny of like he's like, "Oh, you've been helping out, real? Oh, that's cool. You, you, you're just helping her out." And then, dun, 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 dun. so are you helping her out, or dun, 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 and then he like you hear the right like when it's t- like the record scratch. Uh-huh. Like, you're gonna wait for my answer. Let me just stare at you for a second, <laughs> and I'll give you my answer. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> just goes right back into stereo. Standard, this is called quiet intensity. I need you to be quiet right now. Just don't ask any more questions. <laughs> but then like when he leaves the hallway, he's like, all right, come on, let's let's leave. Let's let's let mommy and her friend talk, just the way he says it. Mommy yeah. and her friend. And it's like mm. He just like look, are you guys doing things together or <laughs> But the husband introduces the conflict of the plot. Other than the like now somewhat love triangle type situation. It's not really a love triangle, but he gets beaten up. He's got criminal ties from in prison, and I'm assuming before prison. They want him to get some money, and uh, they beat the crap out of him, and Gosling finds him, and Gosling becomes his friend, kind of, you know? The Gosling ends up trying to help him out so that the the people that came after him won't come after the people he actually cares about, which is the son and Carrie Mulligan. Hmm. 
And then, so he does a job with, you know, he's going to be the driver for, for the husband for standard. And, uh, that goes wrong in a way. It's kind of like, Oh, it's super kind of crappy though, but it's like, well, the husband's situation resolves itself. Right. In terms of him being, suddenly there's a, there's, Oh, the husband's in between them. That kind of resolves itself. Although if you think about it, what a horrible situation. And the fact that he was involved then in that situation, it'd be in terms of relationship, that'd be messy. (laughs) But that ends up pulling Gosling into this whole mess that ties him into Albert Brooks and Ron Perlman criminals who he kind of has ties through anyway, through Brian Cranston who owns the garage that Gosling works at not using any of the characters names. It's the actors. They're the real people in this movie. That's their names. Right. (laughs) Um, And so that's where the whole mess comes on. There's a million dollars floating around and it's Nino. Nino is the trouble. Albert Brooks's character is actually kind of sensible for a murderous criminal. Right. But Nino who's around Perlman has a horrible temper and he's the one that kind of it's, it's kind of his fault. He tried to rip some other mobsters off. It also kind of got me because when he's talking about like he wants to give the money back to him, maybe it was just like he's picked like the character is supposed to pick up on the way he said it, but he's like, now I just want to kill you. Oh yeah. Like he's like, dude, he's returning your money. Like why are you so angry? No. And he's like, you know, and your partners, he's like, I don't have any partners. You didn't talk to anybody else. He's like, no, I'm just you. He's like, you're really not good at this. Are you? Well, the issue is though, we get an exposition drop later on. The problem is like Nino can't just drop it like that because he's got to cut ties because he Nino shouldn't have that money. He's stealing that money from other mobsters. And so Nino's like, nobody can know about this money and the driver knows about this money now. So we got to take care of this guy. So the, the only thing I wanted explained was, was that Nino's people in the other car? Ye- or was that, I mean, Crooks's people or... Because Mary, he, he asked her later and she was like, yeah, they, we knew that they're going to try to rob us, basically, or get the money from him where Standard dies. That's a good question because... I would have got out of there as soon as, that, uh, as soon as that other car pulled up. Like, he might not have, like, necessarily known he was dealing with Standard specifically. Like, it's kind of through a chain of guys. And the chain between Nino and Standard, they took care of in their restaurant with a knife in the throat. And that was brutal. Mm-hmm. But... Nino orchestrated the robbery. Standard didn't know exactly what they were doing, just that he was supposed to go rob this place. There was supposed to be $40,000. Turned out to be like a million dollars. But they were robbing other mobsters who we don't ever actually see. I'm not sure who was in the car then. If it was, it could have been Nino's guys who were supposed to then erase Standard and the woman and the driver and get the money. Mm -hmm. Or it could have been the other mobsters who were just there to... I think it was Nino's guys. Yeah, because my thing was either they were supposed to rob them or they were just supposed to keep an eye on them. I think it was Nino's guys. I think Standard and them were supposed to rob the place, get away. Nino's guys were going to chase them down, kill them, and take the money so that nobody knows who stole from these mobsters, these other mobsters. Because mm-hmm. you hire these little guys, that'd be the Gosling and Standard and these guys that, you know, just petty crooks, hire them so that there's no actual connections to you, erase them. And then you got a million dollars. Right. And that's the problem that Ryan Gosling presents is he's not being erased. Yeah. Cause I know they said, you know, later they said they, he acted alone and there was nobody else there. And yeah. I think that's just, um, and that's what he picks up on. He said, 
why would they say there's only one person when they saw you take the money? Mm-hmm. That whole scene is in question for me. Like, I just, I was like, what, what's all going on right there? Like, I know he gets a little bit of a definition of what happened later from her, but yeah, it's just like, yeah, was that, okay, hold on. Was that standard that was stabbed in the diner? No. Okay. That was totally different. Okay. That was the, the way g- you said, it, I was like, was that standard? No, that was the guy that was strong arming standard into doing the job. Okay. Yeah. That's who I thought it was. Gosling and standard met him and the woman, that woman that goes with him out by, I don't know, it was a lake or a river or wherever it was out by some body of water. Mm-hmm. And he wrote down, you know, he's like how much on his hand, you know, I'm going to pay these guys this much, these guys this much and you this much. You all right with that? And it says F off. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that was awesome. <laughs> and, and Ryan's just like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Oh my God. But yeah, it was, that's why I was just the only scene I had in question. I was like, was that supposed to be Nino's guys or was that supposed to be the other dude's guys or. I think it was supposed to be Nino's guys, but honestly, like it could be either. It doesn't matter because they end up getting in a car wreck. So let's talk about some of the, like the few actiony scenes and maybe some of the violent scenes because that car wreck, I enjoy quite a bit. The car chase itself, like, is that the one where he, maybe he flips around backwards for a little bit? Yeah. And they try to push him. Yeah. That car chase isn't bad, but I really like how it ends to where. They finally take the turn or whatever, and it goes to the slow motion shot of like the woman's in the back seat of Ryan's car. Uh, the I don't know her name offhand, but uh, Blanche, 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 yeah, yeah, she's not in Blanche, a Blanche, Blanche or Blanche. Golden Girls up in this. Well, it goes to a shot of her. It's like slow motion shot of her in the back seat, like wigging out, and you can see through the rear window the other car flipping. And I'm like, oh, that's such a good shot. Right. Like, and that's how that scene kind of. That's how that chase ends. We talked about that first one. Those are the main two car chases. Then there's a later one where he punts Nino's car off the cliff. That thing went flying. But the one chase leads to the the hotel scene. And I like that scene. I remembered it playing out a little bit different. This la- I've seen this several times. This last watch, like I didn't recall that. They explode her head like a melon. Yeah. It's intense. And it happens out of really nowhere. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> just... Ryan has to choke a bee. <laughs> he slaps her around a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's not nice. Our protagonist is not necessarily a good dude. Like, he seems like a guy with a good heart, but he is a vicious killer. Mm-hmm. Like, when he goes, he goes. And he smacks her around a bit um, because he knows she's... She's in on it. She's in on it. She knows this went bad. You know, Standard's been murdered. And uh, so he's trying to get answers. But he gets a sense, like, just before people show up, he looks at her phone. And there must be a text or something on there saying where they're at or saying that we're coming or something. So I think that's his tip off that, oh, somebody's about to show up. Right. And then her head explodes because somebody shotgunned her through a window. All over the place, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the, the murder of Standard was intense. Uh-huh. Like, they got the gun sound. They're like, boom, boom. Like, you know, he just drops to the floor. That's what I was trying to see. Like, he must have, like, first got hit in the head because he's, like, checking the back of his head. I feel like it was, like, a neck or something. Maybe a neck shot or something. That's what I thought because if you got hit in the head, you'd be dead. But he was a neck neck shot. But then he takes several through the torso. And it's like, oh, yeah, he's done. He's done. (laughs) He is not making it out in this movie. (laughs) No, no. And it's, it's, I mean, maybe I don't know how it struck you. But, like, to me, from a story standpoint, like, it's pretty shocking because you're like, oh, that's not. That's that kid's dad, man. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's not, on the one hand, it could be a really cheesy way to be like, well, here's here's the trouble. Like, oh, the husband's back. You know what? That's just going to take care of it. 
take care of itself. We're going to kill him off. But like it doesn't necessarily go that way because it's you can't just erase somebody's husband out of a thing and have them be okay with it and be like, all right, let's okay. Well, he's gone. It's messy emotionally. The way I saw that scene going down was it comes up, the watch goes off five minutes. So he starts to like pull off and then maybe like kind of slides the car towards him to get him in. And then that other car just windows down, you know, just Mm -hmm. starts shooting him and then he takes off. But I did not see the like just murder. Yeah, the guy comes as some some guy comes out of the the pawn shop or whatever. With it like is. a high power rifle. <laughs> yeah, the hammer scene, which is nice. actually not vi- well. It is a little violent, but I love that scene because it's ridiculous. This movie is like a weird, and we'll get into this on the next movie too, because it's the same type of thing but different. This w- movie's like a weird man fantasy, but it's like <laughs> sensitive man fantasy where it's like kind of emotional and Ryan Gosling kind of plays it. He doesn't, he's not like hurt, but he plays it kind of like there's a lot of longing, but at the same time, it's also like bravado. Like the dude walks into this strip joint with a hammer in his hand and takes the hammer to uh, the one guy who I think is gets stabbed in the neck later. Who's the guy that hired, you know, the, the in between between standard and Nino. So this whole scene plays out where he's got the bullet because they had given the bullet to the son as a warning uh, he's got the bullet and a hammer and he like takes the hammer to the one guy's hand very viciously attacks his hand with a hammer and you can hear like the hammer hitting the like when that okay yeah we'll get into that when gosling's character goes off like he's so like still and stuff but when he goes off it's a rage like the elevator scene which we'll talk about in the moment where it's not just like because he plays it so cool the whole time he's just like struts 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 but then when he actually like attacks he just goes ape it's like a very, very focused rage. Yeah, yeah. There's like no in-between. There's not a buildup. It's just snap, he's there. <laughs> this is a good example of what I mean by like a man fantasy where he's super cool. He's like always cool and collected. But he's also a bad <laughs> where he walks in with a hammer into the strip joint and takes it to this one guy. And then he's got the guy on the ground and he's got the hammer up. He's threatening him. And all around there's just like strippers. With obviously fake boobs. I mean, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. But no, the, they, those they, those things look like they're, they're not fake. gonna. They're plastic. Mm-hmm. They they're not gonna move. <laughs> a tornado ain't gonna move those things. <laughs> There's no jiggle. But yeah. they're all like the strippers. I love the scene because the strippers they're all topless and they're just sitting back there. And dude, they just no reaction to this. They're just stop and watch. Like they're just sitting there and like yeah, well, every day. Well, Charlie, Charlie was gonna get that anyway. <laughs> they're not. They're not freaking out. They're not nothing. They're just watching. It makes such a strange scene, but I love it. I think it's awesome. He was legitimately going to shoot him with a bullet with a hammer. Yeah. He's going to hit the back of the bullet and shoot him in the head with it. Mm-hmm. Even though you need a pin and then the yeah. hammer. But it would work. But the visual, though, was enough for me. Well, even if it didn't fire off, he's going to hammer a bullet into his forehead. That's still going to mess a dude up. Right. He doesn't, but that guy ends up getting it from Albert Brooks later. Mm-hmm. Slight comparisons jumping ahead to the next movie we'll cover. It doesn't start off him trying to save the save the girl, but it kind of becomes that. Although in an interesting sense where he's trying to save the girl, her son, and her husband, which doesn't go well. Because Transporter, male fantasy, not man fantasy. It's a very male fantasy movie. Transporter is a purely male fantasy movie. And this is like the same type of thing. It's like male fantasy movie, except with a soft, it's like a soft male fantasy movie. It's different. It's not all bravado. It is. It's like being cool, but it's like, being emotionally cool like hey i'm a little i'm a little damaged mm-hmm. I'm, a little hurt. I'm a little hurt 
I don't know why. I have no backstory. You're not going to find out why I'm like this, but I'm a little hurt. That's, that's kind of like his. But I'm also like I'm also like a good guy. I'm not going to make a move. I'm just going to come around every day. I'm just going to stare at you. I'll tuck your son in the bed and you know take you on long drives. But you know, don't worry. I'm not going to rush you into anything. <laughs> but then I'm going to go ape and stomp a dude's head into mush in front of you. Right. So the elevator scene. Love it. I love it. But it's so disturbing. But it's also so good because it's it. You hit that fantasy moment where. In the elevator, they get into the elevator. There's a dude in there with a gun. He knows, like, this dude's here for us. And then there's that moment where he puts her, like, he takes his arm and shoves her behind him. The camera pans in. The light's dim. It's very, very stylized. And he turns around and has the one, like, their one kiss. And it's a very, like, romantic-type scene. And if you notice, the lights had dimmed. Then the lights get super bright for a split second just before he turns and it cuts and he attacks the guy. So... Whatever soft sensual kiss. I think there's probably music. It's probably dun 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 dun. You know, dun 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 dun. Real human being. <laughs> and then he turns. The guy attacks. He gets the guy on the ground and then literally crushes his. Like he just. And it's. I mean, that's. The, I think the most unhinged Gosling's character is because you could tell from the body movement. Like it's not cool. He's not looking cool. He's just stomping this guy's head in, and it crushes in. And you get a shot of it. And it's horrible. And she's standing there watching the whole time. And I think that's the last shot of them together. Like the last scene of them together where she leaves the elevator and she doesn't even say anything. She just looks kind of shocked. And then like he's still in the elevator and she's just staring at him and the door closes. And I'm like, that's perfect. Perfect. Perfect way to end that. That'd be quite cool if it, like, he's like reaching for the door to try not to close. Like, no. But I mean, how do you come back from that? Like, yeah, he was there to attack them. He was protecting himself and her, mm -hmm. but he went totally unhinged. She's like, maybe I don't like that guy so much. She just <laughs> yeah. walks out, gets in her car and leaves. Yeah. <laughs> it, that's what I mean. I was like, it's just hella intense. Woo! Like 10 automatically. <laughs> yeah. Goes from quiet intensity to just intensity. Right. Okay. Well, we're, we're kind of, as I suspected might happen, going on about this quite a bit. Mm-hmm including about the plot. But the other thing I want to mention is I really like the scene where he tracks down Nino, where he's got the weird mask on. Yeah. Because the mask, it's weird. What is it? It doesn't look normal. It's like in just a normal guy mask, like a bald man mask, but it doesn't look right. <laughs> it doesn't look right at all. It's like gives him kind of a round head. Gosling's eyes are kind of close together. And in that mask, it makes the eyes just look super close together. And it's just really creepy. But I like that he decides to like, I guess is he trying to hide his identity? I think so, because I don't think Nino ever saw him personally. I think you're right. Oh, except at the garage, because Nino showed up. He was when uh, Brooks wanted to invest money in the race car. Yeah. Which is this whole little kind of minor subplot. But it ties Nino and Brooks. I'm used, now I'm mixing character names and actor names. Ron Perlman's character and Brooks's character it ties to the driver earlier in the movie before any of the drama. But anyway... Yeah, I think you're right. Just so he doesn't recognize that he's the driver. But he tracks Nino down and then he follows him in the car and then he wrecks the car, then takes his car and punts the, Nino's car off the cliff. Like, dude, I, I don't know and how field they. Field goal is good. <laughs> I don't know how they did it because that car like just goes boom, flying. Like they got the force that they must actually use to throw that car. It's pretty impressive. 
But I love the scene then where Ron Perlman crawls out and he's crawling along the beach and uh, Gosling comes down and he's got still got the weird mask on and he's just like standing there on the beach as he does staring at him. Lighthouse lights. The lighthouse light. Oh, I love that scene. It looks great. The composition is wonderful. I love the shot. And then, yeah, it's good. He just like slowly walks up to him as Ron Perlman's trying to run away into the ocean and he like drowns him or strangles him or whatever in the ocean. The camera pulls back. What do you, okay, so let's jump to the end. What do you think of the end? Because at this point, pretty much everybody except for Carrie Mulligan in the sun, Ryan Gosling, and Albert Brooks are dead. Like Cranston got killed. Everybody else is dead. My, my question was, did he take any of that money? Because I know he leaves Brooks there with the money laying next to him. Mm-hmm. But I kind of don't think he did. That's what I mean. Like, I don't. Did he just be basically cut himself off from ever getting involved with that? Or, you know, I mean, because I almost feel like if he would have took the money, the people at the shop where they stole it from know him. So was he take basically trying to take himself out of the equation? Yeah, I guess so. You know? No, yeah. Well, I think more than anything, he was trying to take Kerry Mulligan out of the equation. Yeah. Because I don't even know if he'd necessarily been tied because, he, okay, so he and Albert Brooks have a knife fight in the broad daylight in a parking lot of a Chinese restaurant. Gosling gets gut stabbed. It's so weird because when he finally kills Albert Brooks, like the final struggle is just shots of the shadow, their shadows on the ground. Right. And it's kind of a weird angle. And it's such an odd choice, but I like it. What, what did you think of that? What I really liked about that one was the, the previous warning was that he's like, give me the money. And he's like, Irene and the kid will be safe. But you. Yeah, I can't extend the same to you. Yeah, he's like, you'll, be, you'll live the rest of your life always looking over your shoulder. So then he, like, you think he's going to kill him, but then he shows him where the money's at and then just outright stabs the dude. No, it's kind of like he's come to an agreement, like, just give me the money and it'll be fine. You'll have to run and you'll never be safe, but she'll be safe. Just give me the money. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, Brooks, Albert Brooks stabs him. <laughs> Yeah, he just turns turns around and then he stabs him. <laughs> like, yep, they get a little stabbing match. <laughs> yeah, and then I thought what I really thought for a second that when the camera panned back to who survived, I thought it was going to be Brooks. So, do you think he survives? Because the movie ends kind of ambiguously. I mean, they he doesn't go back to his apartment before that scene. He had called Carrie Mulligan, and she didn't say anything. She answered. I think, or she picked up or was listening to the message, but she didn't say anything. And he like kind of whatever said, whatever made his peace. And then after he's got stabbed, he's sitting in his car for a long time, not moving. And for, at first you're at least for me, I'm kind of like, I think he's dead, mm-hmm. but then he blinks, closes the door, drives off like he does. And he's driving down the road and you see him driving down the road. You follow him for a little bit. Cause that's what he does. He drives. Um, but then it goes to Carrie Mulligan and she walks over to his apartment, knocks on the door for a while and and he doesn't answer and then she goes back and that's the end of the movie so it's kind of ambiguous in my mind i suspect he probably just drove until he bled out right that's yeah because i was wondering if they ever ever thought of making a second one and that's i i want to say he survived but he could have i mean a stomach stab is not as bad as like a chest stab yeah but he is bleeding pretty good (laughs) someday someday we're gonna pair something with only God forgives, which is a movie with Ryan Gosling by this same director that they did after this. And it's got a similar, it's different, but a similar kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. kind of got a neon somewhat eighties thing, but it's a wildly different movie. It's weird. It's really weird. 
oh god i want to tell you stuff but no someday i'll have you watch it i don't know how i feel about that movie honestly it's so strange someday i'll have you watch if listener if you've seen only god forgives you know what i'm talking about uh it, i don't think it's a very well liked movie at least not from what i've heard i enjoyed it but yeah anyway it always be kind of funny, and I just thought about this when you were talking, but it would be kind of funny if you did the the whole zoom in of the eyes to Ryan Gosling in this movie and then put other movie themes in there. Like, have the pan in the flesh. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't get that on my head. He's a real hero. Um, like, do you want something? And he's like... I don't remember who's done it, but someone, and I think it was on the BBC or somewhere in the UK would do a thing where they set the music the movie to different music and aired the movie with different music. And I'm like, why? The music is one of the like most defining factors of this movie. I mean, music plays an important part in the most, like almost all movies, but this movie in particular, a huge part of the uh, aesthetic is the music. Like it's important to the tone of this movie. Just the idea of like taking, I mean, look at those credits and then the idea of taking that music out. Like why? Right. Star ratings. I'm going to go with a four and a half again. Like I said, there's some, some questionable parts for me of the, of the story, but I mean, I'm going right between four and a half or five. So it was some, a good movie. Some questionable parts when you fell asleep, maybe? No, there was shut up. <laughs> I know. No, like just, I have so many questions about the robbery. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it's part of the luster of the movie was, was things don't get explained <laughs> like it kind of does it just doesn't do it right away and when it does explain it it's kind of info drop mm-hmm. in that scene just before they kill the guy with the knife in the restaurant right that dude and he got a fork to the eye fork to the eye we left that part out and then a big old big old kitchen knife to the throat multiple times yeah twice or multiple times <laughs> yeah it was brutal and you hear the shink like is it yeah <laughs> it's not good the violence is very very it's it's not the move the whole movie is stylized and maybe and in, in including the violence but it's not like stylized it's not glamorized at all the it's, violence especially to the lie where he's like he's like now you have to clean up after my mess it's good like, too <laughs> it's good yep so four and a half mm-hmm. okay Going full 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 five over there Dude, this is one of my favorite movies on letterbox.com, which listener, if you haven't been to letterbox, it's basically, it's kind of like a social network for movie fans in that you can follow other people, but it's not like, Oh, I'll make a post. Check out my post. It's like, you can review movies and log movies and stuff. It's, it's pretty awesome. Anyway, on your profile, you can pick four favorite movies to be displayed. And then it always shows your most recent movies without having to dig into like, you know, your film diary and stuff. And I've, Wanted to put Drive into that for my top four favorite movies so long. It's just I can't figure out which of the other movies to boot out to put it in there. So this is among my top five favorite movies of all time. So, yeah, I love this movie. Solid, solid gold five stars. Got that shimmer. too. Five stars with a little bit of a like an invisible six star six star wanting to shimmer through. Yeah, this is one of my favorite movies. I like it. I've seen it many times. It doesn't get old. I mean, given the pacing of the character scenes, you'd think it would, but it doesn't. I just like it. I'm not even, I would only think, I don't even think I was a big fan of Ryan Gosling to begin with, but I, this movie kind of makes me like him. I thought he did really well in this one. Yeah, I like it. Even though he doesn't really say much, but. And he, when he does, it's, it's a mumble. Apple pie. <laughs> apple pie. 
I get a pint? Yeah, you can get a pint. <laughs> so, yeah. Highly recommend. Moving on to a transporter. <laughs> this is one of Jasper's favorites. Yep. The Transporters from 2002, directed by Corey Yen. Mm-hmm. Wait, there's two directors. And Louis Latrier. Latrier. A screenplay by Robert Mark Kamen and Luke Basson, who I don't think we've done any Luke Basson. He's also a director, but he did like The Fifth Element. Oh, what's that Jet Li movie with the collar? Man, I like that movie. Unleashed or something. The Professional or Leon the Professional. He's done a lot of movies. Now, I will say that Basson guy, I thought I thought they said the screenplay was by Liam Neeson when I first watched this movie. <laughs> I was like, What? <laughs> I could see them putting Liam Neeson in a movie like this now, not in 2002. I couldn't, but, and it stars Jason Statham or Jason Statham, Shuki, Francois Berland, Matt Schulz, and some other people. But those are the, that's the main cast. You've got the cop buddy. You've got the, uh, the lead pair, the couple, mm-hmm. you know, Jason Statham and, and, uh, Shuki, Shuki. And uh, then you got the villain there. And the synopsis is, former Special Forces Officer Frank Martin will deliver anything to anyone for the right price, and his no-questions-asked policy puts him in high demand. When he realizes his latest cargo is alive, it sets in motion a dangerous chain of events. The bound and gagged lie? Lay? Lay? Lie? Lie. Lie. I think lie? it's lie. The bound and gagged lie is being smuggled to France by a shady American businessman, and Frank works to save her as his own illegal activities are uncovered by a French detective. Listener, you don't know that I love driving. I mean, almost every job I've had, I I was a driver in at one point. (laughs) This is the first Jason, how do you say it? Jason Statham? Jason Statham. Jason Statham. Jason Statham. Jason Statham. There you go. Jason Statham movie I've seen. I watched this probably the first time. I didn't watch this when it came out because I don't even remember. Probably watched this my senior year of high school, which would be 2008. Really? Okay. And, uh. I just loved this movie because of the cars and the way he drove it. And they show you like how he shifts it and all that kind of reason why I bought when I had my Honda was, I was like, yeah, now I'm the transport. Yeah. It's all little cars, little, um, yeah, little, little sports cars, I guess. So I will say this is one of my favorite movies is one of the lower tier favorite movies of mine. Okay. But it still holds a place in my heart because it's really cheesy action at most points. Mm-hmm. but just the wheelman thing of it was just, just drew me in this, the story I already knew, like as soon as it started, he's got these rules, he's got the set rules and that one rule is going to be broken. <laughs> what I liked too, was that first scene, like we were talking about the first scenes of the movies, he picks up those bank robbers and he won't move the car until they get rid of the, the fourth guy. Cause he set the, he set the, the shocks, to a certain weight. It's to a certain mm-hmm. weight that it'll, you know, balance itself right. And he was like, it was a 254 kilos. Yeah, 250 kilos. Yeah, like 200, yeah, I think it was 251. He's like, yeah, it's 251 kilos. He's like, no more, no less. He's like, we can't make the maneuver and you can't maneuver right with the, the, the wrong weight. Mm-hmm. So this dude ends up blanking his own friend mm-hmm. and he falls out of the car. He's like, okay, now we can go. <laughs> And then I also like in that same scene where they're trying to get their seatbelts on and they're jammed so he can put the coat in and then closes it and then suddenly their seatbelts work. Uh-huh. The, where the cheese started for me is they, you know, they're driving through the city and then he gets to the bridge 
and he skids it. So basically he's perpendicular to the guardrails mm-hmm. and somehow launches the car over the guardrail and onto a car transporter. He peeled out. That's <laughs> how. I was like, there is no way you would have got enough momentum to hit the curb and then go up over the rail, which it looked like he had cleared the bridge by the time that this car was The flying. momentum with which the car flies off that bridge. The, no amount of the wheel mo- peeling is going to give you that momentum in three movie, feet that you had till the guardrail. The movie should have ended there with him just going forward, ramming the guardrail and backing up, hitting that guardrail. Just Austin Powers until the cops come up and arrest them all. <laughs> they just like slightly open the door, get get out, just get out. <laughs> he gets this job and it's the girl in the bag in the back of his trunk. And then he breaks the one rule and looks in the package. And my big thing is the fight scenes mm-hmm. when he's in the grease fight. And he take I the one thing I love is how he takes the pedals off the bike where he just jumps on it and just breaks the pedals off. The grease fight is the main thing I remember. I watched this movie once when it came around the time it came out. So 2002, 2003. Mm-hmm. And the grease fight was one of the main scenes that, it, that it stuck with me that I recalled. The car stunts is what really got me with this one. And then the story was good. I mean, it was hella cheesy, but it was one of the the cool, like, oh, that's, now I want a BMW. I think the, the still the weirdest part of the movie is the friendship he has with that. I think he's a detective. Mm-hmm. And he's always like, I know what you're doing, but I can't prove it. <laughs> like, I, for me, I think that's the high point of the movie. For me, that's my favorite thing is this weird friendship he has with this detective who clearly knows what he does. And at one point, he even says, after Jason Statham's car, after the transporter's car gets blown up, and he comes to question him about it, and at one point, he even says, you know, he's like, this, this work you do, basically, he says, I can look the other way. And, you know, usually, it's not, it's not big. Like, you do this work. I know you do this stuff, but it's not big. The car exploding, that was big, and mm-hmm. I can't look the other way on that type of thing. So they have this weird understanding it almost seems like every day he shows up at his house, gives him a bunch of que- like interrogates him basically, like friendly, but like asks him question eyeballs around his garage and his house, like yeah, especially because like, like looking for evidence, but he knows, and he's he, at the same time he's like investigating, but also looking the other way, like it's a weird, it's a weird thing. Yeah, like the first scene where he's talking to him about the car, and he's like looking in the windows, and he's like, yeah, they said it's a '99 BMW, you have one. It's this one. It's kind of like he knows and he likes this guy and he doesn't want to arrest him or doesn't want to like cause trouble. But at the same time, he still has to do something like he's still not like, well, he has to do something, but almost like for him, man, I'm probably looking at this character way more than the writers ever did. But it's kind of like he has to do it for himself. He's like, I can't just completely look the other way. So I'll kind of look the other way. But if I go over there and see something blatant, I'm gonna have to do something. It's kind almost it's kind of like. Of course, like that superhero, that like the one guy who knows who he is. Like I said, I've been watching a lot of Arrow lately. It's kind of like that. I know who you are, but I'm not going to like really let let it go, but I know what you do. It's kind (laughs) of like the Commissioner Gordon-Batman relationship, right? Yeah. Not exactly, because like Commissioner Gordon works with Batman, but in a lot of iterations, Gordon totally kind of knows who it is, but he doesn't ever let on. And so it's kind of like that. Even as as the plot gets going, like he even lets him, he even helps him escape jail mm-hmm. to go hunt this guy down, which I'll get to again at the end because that would uh uh-uh, that would cause big trouble eventually. But it's interesting. That's one of the that's definitely like the high point. One of the high points for me. 
Oh man, there's there's some funny parts in this movie too, like where he, he basically every time he checks on her, he has to open the trunk. Yeah, he just gives her the drink and stuff and all that. Oh my god, it's just this is so freaking cheesy. It is, but he always always has to open the trunk. Like, just let her ride in the car. <laughs> like, what what did you? What was your take on this movie? I'm glad you asked, Jasper. Oh, okay, so going into this. <laughs> I wanted that to be this too. Oh, I God. remember, like I said, I'd only watched this once. I remember not liking this movie at all. And so part of the reason I was excited to pair one of my favorite movies, Drive, with one of your favorite movies turned out to be tra- The Transporter. I was like, I know I don't like Transporter. And there's a good chance that Jasper might not like Drive, although you turned out to like it. But going into it, I was like, I don't want to just crap on this movie. I want to give it a shot because I don't want to like pick one of Jasper's favorite movies and then just be like, this is some crap. So watching it again, I just watched it last night. It struck me the same way it struck me the first time. The first chunk of the movie, I'm like, this is not necessarily great. It's cheesy. I should not have watched this so close to drive because the opening scene is like the same type of thing. It must be a driver movie. Um, Did baby driver do this? Probably did where it has to open with a car chase and I was not really feeling it. I was like, it's okay. It's a lot of quick cuts, but whatever, you know, and they're in Europe with the little cars. And I was like, okay, it's got that thing going on. Lots of, um, lots of Tokyo drift, <laughs> lots of drifts and stuff. The bridge thing happened that you were talking about. And I'm like, oh God, oh God, whatever. I'm still on board. And then all the way up to the car exploding. Like, so we've got the whole thing with the chick. I have some issues there, but I was like, this is whatever. It's fun. It's, it's, it's a fun movie. Uh, it doesn't look terrible. The car explodes. I like how they did the car explosion. Like that looked good. It throws Jason Statham back. I want to read a couple. uh, Let me pull up my notes because I do have a couple notes up to this point. So, so far I'm on board. I'm not loving it. I'm not hating it. I think it's fine. When he finds the woman in the bag, he hears something or he has a flat. He opens it up to change this, to get his spare tire out, which of course he happens to have a flat. He finds the woman in the bag, unzips it. Her head pops out. She's got duct tape. This is not a romantic scene. Why? This is literally a woman bound and gagged in a duffel bag in his trunk that he just found. Why do we get romance music? Because that's what's playing. He's <laughs> fallen in love. She's f- bound and gagged with duct tape across her mouth in the trunk. If he wants to fall in love, I guess that's fine. Why are we getting romance music? feel like you should have... The camera where he's like gets this like really devious look and then just zips the bag back up. And it just it's not right. <laughs> it's not right. It's a bad scenario. Dun, 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 why? <laughs> why does he get drive music now? That's, that's you know being stuck in my head. That would work though because that's exactly like how appropriate would that be? Where like suddenly there's like this ho- kidnapped woman in his trunk and he gets this Ryan Gosling look on his face and it's like dun 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 dun. Just. Thought- what happened if it was Ryan Gosling in the back and he unzips it? Oh my god. Or he like he's trying to grab the spare tire and then like the bag opens up and it's Ryan Gosling. He's, like, dun, 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 dun. he's got duct tape across his mouth. I think you just wrote my cinematic universe. <laughs> Beginning, middle, and end. That's the whole thing. <laughs> we'll get her out of there. It's Ryan Gosling. It's like date because in that scene it's daytime. <laughs> and like goes to to Jason Statham, but he's like looking at him, and, he did, 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 and it goes back, and it's dark out. It's dark out, and, and he got the light like, across his eyes. <laughs> <Just like. laughs> oh my god! Okay, 
Oh. Next note. He, so we meet the villain who tries to kill, who gives him a bomb. He, Jason Statham is breaking all of his rules anyway. He looked in the package. Somehow the villain knows. But also, like, then he, the job is the job. Well, he ends up taking another job from the guy. I, I think he gets the point that, like, the guy's threatening him. Mm-hmm. But he gives him a briefcase. And I'm like, that's a bomb. That's a bomb. bomb. And it was. Anyway, my note is villain is super over the top. Creepy hand touch. When he hands him the money, when he hands Jason Statham the money, like the little envelope full of money, it's so weird and awkward, but he he intentionally like overreaches and uses his finger to like touch his palm. Caress it. You didn't notice that? <sighs> yeah. He caresses his palm a little bit and it's like, why was that there? What is that? It's like, I want to kill you, but I, I, you. I didn't dislike it. I was just like, that's weird. That's a weird thing to do. It's like, I, I want to kill you, but I like you. Oh, here you go. Weird dude. Weird villain. Jump to later. She's making muffins or whatever they was, those things were. Okay. And eventually she pulls the rest of the muffins out of the oven. But I'm like, she opens the oven, pulls two muffins out of the pan, and then closes the rest of the muffins in the oven. I'm like, who does that? Who pulls two muffins out of the pan and then closes the oven to burn the rest? She ends up pulling them out later. But I was like, that's weird. It's a nitpick. But let's talk about a fight because... Like the driving scenes aren't aren't bad. There you get you get some stunts, some over the top car stunts, but you know some decent stunts. The fight scenes with Jason Statham, I like. I think they're done pretty well. At one point, I was like, "Why is he leg shotting?" Oh, it's PG thirteen, right? He leg shots most people. He does shoot a couple people like dead. Like there's a one guy that's on the ground in front of the mirror. What he ends up getting shot dead, but he leg shots most people, and there's very little blood. So it's PG third. I was like, "Oh, it's one of those." Uh, PG-13 gun-happy murder movies where mm-hmm. they don't really murder him or at least they don't show blood when they do. Like, Jason Statham, like, I think he's good at... He does some crazy martial arts kicks and it's so weird because he's such a, like, a tall, kind of... He's muscular. He's not lanky, but he's like a big, tall, muscular dude. So it's weird to see such a big dude doing these these kicks and martial arts moves, but it works. Like, I think he does well. The fight choreography is good. Like I, I like it. I think it, it works well. It's smooth. It's a little goofy at times, like almost in um not quite Jackie Chan goofy. But there's a couple scenes that are goofy, but they're supposed to be kind of funny, like where the two dudes with axes come at him and like chop above him and chop off to the side. And he's like trying to fight him off while still kind of in this awkward position. There's one fight later where he's fighting general thugs and it works. I'm guessing all the thugs are just stuntmen. But for a little bit, he's fighting the villain. I don't think the villain guy is very good. Like in terms of physical choreography, because the little bit where he's actually fighting him in like that container shipyard area type thing, it just doesn't look good. Like that little section is not good, but then all of a sudden he runs off and there's random thugs coming after him and it looks good again. So I just don't think that guy's very great. Yeah. Me might not be, you know, as, as, uh, yeah. Is it dexterous? No, that's the wrong word. Not, not as flexible not as quick not yeah. as you know whatever agile not as adept to doing that type of stuff yeah He's agile like, no, stop kicking me no stop <laughs> <laughs> can't we just do the thing where I touch his hand again I just want to finger his I palm I caressed your palm why are you hitting me the grease fight is good too uh, the one thing I have to point out with the grease fight he dumps a whole like drip pan which is like a big industrial drip pan gallons of oil and he's all when he gets up he's only splattered with it yeah like i was like when he just like get up it looked like basically a non-lee version of the swamp thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah like <laughs> i also liked 
So he gets. I just want to get up. Like it's in my eyes. It's in my eyes. <laughs> he fights a bunch of dudes in the bus. Why are there always random, like perfectly sized metal pipes sitting around in buses? Because like all of a sudden, six guys all stop and grab these all these pipes just laying in the bus, and they're all exact, cr- pristine, super clean metal pipes, all the same length, like in this bus. Anyway, he fights them. He ends up fighting a big dude because you got to have a big dude. Your character's a big dude. You got to have a bigger dude to fight. One mm-hmm. little one-on-one. And then the grease fight happens. They start finally pulling out guns and shooting. And the big guy gets shot and he's hiding behind him. He goes in the water. They start the water on fire. They dump a barrel in the water, start the water on fire so he can't emerge. It's ridiculous. It's gross. It's over the top. But I did enjoy that he then takes the big guy's corpse and like inhales his, I'm assuming, last breath out of his lungs so he can hold his breath longer underwater. Aww. It's so gross, but I was like, okay, that's kind of fun. He's that dude as a shield the whole way down, too. Also, I don't know what rounds they were. They obviously that tracer effect was kind of new in movies. They just put insane huge tracers on the bullets they're supposed to be flying by, which makes me believe that there's some pretty heavy caliber bullets they're using. Because it looks like huge. They look huge. It makes the the gunfire look massive. None of those bullets went through that guy. <laughs> I actually was looking at some scenes on YouTube afterwards to kind of like re get get that back in my head. But the one I went back to was that one because those tracers rounds makes it looks like they would just go straight through that body. Yeah, it looks like they would eat through them. Yeah. Statham would have been annihilated. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, a high-caliber rifle like that would have done a through-and-through, and and it would have hit him, you Mm -hmm. know. But it's a movie. (laughs) It's a movie. Okay. I've said what I liked. Can I get to the rest now? Yeah. Is it okay? I'm not attacking you. That was important. I was like, that was important. I don't, I didn't want to, like, just crap on this movie. So I went into it, and I was like, I'm going to give this movie a real shot. Like, I remember not liking it, but you know what? That was well over 10 years ago, so maybe times have changed. Maybe I've changed. Maybe I've grown. Truth is, I think I am more forgiving of movies now. Okay. Oh, and one other note before we get to the negative stuff. What kind of medieval house is it that he lives in? What is this place? Did you get this like castle type thing with this? It was kind of amazing, but also like, what is this house? Who lives in that? It looks like it's open. Like if it rains, does it ever rain there? Yes. I mean, they're supposed to be in what, France? I believe in France. I think so. He's got kind of a, I, I, wow, I, I am actually keeping this streak up. It looks, it's almost kind of the same setup as the Stark house, like on the edge of a cliff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't want to yeah. live there because that's a really high security issue. MCU? Yeah. <laughs> Where's Max Van Saito? <laughs> I don't know why. He's there. at the top. He's waiting. Oh, that's true. He's the boss at the top of the castle. <laughs> <laughs> What I'm trying to say is the Bowser of transport. They're shooting rockets. Also, that rocket attack happened just like the detective would be a block away. Mm-hmm. Did he really not hear all of a sudden house? The house is exploding, multiple rockets going off. Like he just left, and the people show up with rockets and machine guns. Anyway, okay, uh, it's part of his job. Here we go. Here is where this time, and I remember the very first time this movie turns for me. It takes a Real sour turn. The office scene. Melodramatic, soap opera level, exposition, bullshit. Him and the love interest tracked the the one guy down, the -the over-the-top villain down to his office where suddenly her lies are exposed. Her dad shows up. He's a businessman. 
that whole scene plays badly. The music makes me feel like it's a soap opera. The music, the music through this whole movie is abysmal. Some of the stuff during the chase sequences, it's just kind of like early two thousands, like European techno beat. That's fine. It's fine. Um, but some of the score is just bad. This scene plays so horrible. The plot of this is ridiculous. It's just terrible. That whole scene, like it's poorly directed. It looks like junk. It feels wrong. Everything just doesn't, doesn't make sense. And it's just a big, all of a sudden exposition bomb of over convoluted mess. And at that point I was like, Oh, this isn't just like a, Oh, it's kind of a dumb action movie. This is a bad movie scene. Like this belongs in a bad movie. And that's where the entire movie takes a turn for me. <laughs> My next note is bus station fights. I know I'm jumping forward because whatever. Some stuff happens after that point. That's fine. There's some okay stuff. I like that the I like that the detective helped him helped him escape because he ends up in prison after, after in jail after that. Mm-hmm. So I like that. That's gonna come back to bite him. I know the movie says it was a happy ending, and the cops show up and help him out, kind of magically. They're just standing there all of a sudden, two seconds after she blows her dad away. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't. It, there's literally like she does that. And then she's like, I know he was a bad guy, but he was my dad. And then they look and there's literally the entire police force is just standing right there, like two feet away. I'm like, anyway, he still escaped at gunpoint from jail and every cop in that precinct seen it. And if the detective helped him do if the detective was like, no, it's fine. First off, they'd be like, it's not fine. He escaped by gunpoint. And second off, if you're okay with it and you helped him, you're in jail. You're going to jail now too. Whatever. We'll get it. We'll look past it. All right. Bus station fight scene. This really ties into the music. Like I like the fight scene. We already talked about it. The bars, grease fight. The music though. I don't like that slow, chunky guitar. Dun, dun, dun. It's kind of like heavy guitar. And I was like, oh, you heavy guitar during a fight scene. That's cool. Except it's like this slow, chunky guitar and it makes an interesting fight scene feel dull and slow. Right. Kind of slows it down. It makes the pace feel weird. It'd be better to go with that Euro trash techno beat, something higher pace than just da-da. And it's not even like the fight's like down and dirty. And it's kind of still a high paced fight. He's in closed quarters, but like it's still fast action. The music just does not convey that well. It's like the B- BPM or the beats per minute kind of we're down here. It just drops. The action was up here. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't work for me. I'm like that. I really like that scene, but that, the guitar music, like the music is just makes me feel like it should just be like, oh, boring. Like it's a mismatch. Okay. And then I kind of jump towards the end. This Because by the end, we get the chase on the highway. Also, you know, total minor plot point that doesn't mean anything is there's like 500 people, 400 people in a container that they need to save. That's fine. It's just there. It's just said. I guess technically we see it at the end, but I don't care. I don't care. None of that matters. This doesn't matter. And I realize plot isn't important to in a movie like this, but it also shouldn't make it feel like this. It shouldn't make it feel like a B grade 90 straight to video action movie that somehow got a big budget because that's what this movie ended up feeling by the, the final climax. I was like, this feels like a bad early nineties straight to video movie. The villain is just wacky and bad. You throw the love interest dad in there. That guy's creepy, but also like just not good. Jumping ahead further, the bad guy, love interest dad, took forever to shoot Statham. Why? Why does he walk him down to the cliff? They just like cause chaos all the way down the freeway or whatever it was, the interstate, 
exploding cars and also Statham is lucky that one car that exploded didn't happen to be the car with his girlfriend in it. It almost, and in that scene too, it almost feels like that is the car that explodes. So why does he, does it makes him get out of the car? Why doesn't he just shoot him there? Instead, he leads him down through the forest to this cliff. He's obviously like stalling. He kind of monologues. He doesn't do the like villain explain his plan. He does the like, I won and my daughter is going to be like me. And Statham's like, she'll never be like you and this and that. And like, then they think she got shot off in the distance. But it's like he's intentionally not shooting him. And I'm just like, I know he's not going to shoot Jason Statham, but it shouldn't feel like he's not shooting him. It should feel like he's going to. He wants to. This is what he's going to do. This is his plan. Instead of he's literally just stalling for time until they can do the little fake out gunshot where his daughter kills him. And it just it didn't work. It didn't work for me. This is not a personal attack on you, okay? Oh, you're gonna you're gonna be surprised. My final note. This is some basic ratchet. <laughs> about a third of this movie, I'm kind of on board, and then once it takes that turn, and when I say I'm bored, it's still kind of a bad movie. But I'm like, it's fun. It's dumb fun. But once it takes that turn, it goes into actively like a bad movie with some decent action sequences, but still like. To where the character, the villains, the attempt at this plot actively makes me not like it. If it was just passively not like it, I could deal with it. But it actively makes me go, oh, it makes me cringe a little. Because watching this, I was like, what is the difference between something like this where it's over the top and cheesy and something else like Hardcore Henry or, well, we didn't have a great review of Crank. but Or Crank or even certain aspects of Drive where it's like it is over the top and cheesy but I like it. Like, I don't know what the difference is. And it's, it's kind of like this movie is ridiculous, but it doesn't feel like it knows it's ridiculous. It feels like it's playing it straight and it doesn't really work for me. And the last villain, when he finally, like the fight scene is a little anticlimactic. Like he gets tossed out the side of the semi, which is kind of brutal, but it just like happens and it's done. And it's like, Oh, Oh, okay. Also Statham was enjoying killing that guy. Like there's an intentional cut to his face where he like gets, he's getting pleasure. Like he smiles just before he throws him out. And it's like, what, what that you- was a lust kill. Like he enjoyed that. That's a little upsetting in our PG 13 movie where he's been leg, leg sh- shooting everybody to suddenly get like a lust kill. Look weird. <laughs> what did you, I thought this was so messed up. I remember now rewatching it. This totally messed up part where that guy, the first semi guy, he's, a, he gets kicked out the door and then the door falls off. And then he's skidding. Like, I laughed at that. I was like, oh, he's going to, nope. <laughs> I laughed because then the shot where it's just like just slightly off the road down the cliff where you see him like, woo, fly off into the air. That's kind of funny. And it's cheesy. And that one, I'm like, I'll give him that one because it looks funny. And I bet they know it looks funny. They're just like, do it. Just do it. So I'm, I'm on board with that one. But it is ridiculous. You're like, he's going to survive. No, he's not. <laughs> that was probably... One of the funniest scenes for me ever. So what are your thoughts after hearing my thoughts? You point out a lot of things. Because um, I'm not trying to destroy the movie. And I'm not even saying like, like you know, okay, I know I said it. it was, this is a bad movie. This is some ratchet. <laughs> but I'm not saying you're like a bad person for liking this movie. I get it. You set your position up perfectly right from the start. You're like, I like the driving. And, you know, it's like I hinted at in the last review. It's purely male fantasy. This is male fantasy movie to the max. Jason Statham just being awesome the whole time, just being Jason Statham, being cool. Not like, Ch- not like Chef Ch- Chelios or whatever, not crank Jason Statham where he's like kind of dirty. 
It's like suave. He's got his rules. He's got a fancy car with a little number pad that he hits different things in. It's almost James Bond. It just doesn't have like missiles and an oil slick out the back. Mm. They still get to do an oil fight, but <laughs> got to get in there somehow. It's got the he finds he finds this beautiful Asian chick in the back of his car, you know, like and she <sighs> pays him back for saving her by having sex with him. And I was like, oh, this is male fantasy, all which is fine. I'm a male. I get it. But like, ooh, it's, it's, it's wow. <laughs> wow. PG 13 male fantasy. But my point is like, I, and you like the driving stuff and like, like is it a male fantasy. That's cool. I get it. Hot chicks and, and cool action. And like, I get it. Like I said, I think my favorite in the series is two, two kind of refine some things. Hmm. Still kind of. We already talked about two a little bit off mic. Kind of questionable. <laughs> We're, I lost. I, I have seen two. That was the last one. I know there's, I don't know how many. There's others. There's three and then a TV series. Oh. It's called Transporter Reloaded. Oh, that's Transporter Reloaded. I seen it listed online. I didn't know what it was. Two has the thing. The only thing I remember is where he flips the car and to take the bond. No, over the top, way over the top. It's all, it's all good though. These movies just aren't made for me. Right. People like him. That's fine. I like drive. Okay. Like that should be not that you have to exclusively like one or the other, but if I want male fantasy driver movie, drive is the one I want. I don't want transporter. Not to compare them. Just saying. What else were you going to say? I'm sorry. No, I was just waiting for star rating. Do you feel I good? Think gonna, I think I'm surprised you here. How do you feel about this? How do you feel so far about this review? I was heart, worried. My heart hurts a little bit. Does it? No, I was, no. I really did not want to come and just crap on a movie that you really liked. There's worse movies. I don't think it's irredeemable. Do you want my star rating? Well, I think you go right. I, I don't know. I honestly, I don't. I haven't listed this on Letterboxd yet because I'm not sure, and I kind of didn't want to tip you off to what I thought. I was pretty upset at the end of this, though. I wasn't upset, but I was like, I was slightly upset because I was like, I wanted to give this movie a chance. You movie, you had me. Then you ruined it. You lost me. Right. What's yours? I want to know yours. So when I first liked this movie, I was 18, 19. I am now 30 on the rewatch and the quality of movies we watched. I'm going to have to drop this to a three, three and a half. Okay. So whole point behind drive. Okay. Because you put drive and then transport against it. Just drive was a lot better. Okay. There is some huge issues with the plot mm-hmm. and some huge issues with car stunts <laughs> that I'm just like, man, how did they, yeah, that bridge one how does. That bridge get, one doesn't work. Yeah, that <laughs> that was work. my first question. Like, how did you think you're gonna get away with that? Yeah, but yeah, I mean, three three and a half. It was an entertaining. It's kind of like a, a fun movie, but in the quality of movie, I'd have to say th- three and a half. <sighs> my temptation is to give it one and a half, realizing that's really low. I think I gave ants one and a half, right? And when you do star ratings for movies, you can't necessarily, you got to go with just what you feel. You can't really directly compare movies because when you start doing that, it breaks apart. Because sometimes I'll look at movies that I've given a three and then I look at other movies, I'll give a four and I'm like, how did I give that a higher rating? You can't, you just got to roll with it. So I'm going to go two. Respectable. With the idea that like three is I like it, two is I don't really like it. I don't really like it, but it's not one star territory right now. So, yeah, I'm going to go to just give me Jason Statham trying to stick to his rules, 
driving around doing things. I don't need this whole convoluted crap with this freaking uh, businessman and his daughter. And like, I can't even stand to look at this businessman. <laughs> he looks like an alien wearing a toupee. I don't understand this guy. <laughs> an alien with plastic surgery wearing a toupee. Real rude of me to say that. But he's hard to look at. I don't like it. <laughs> so Jasper, Baby Driver just didn't do what the studios hoped it would, but they still feel like some type of driving franchise could make driving movies cool again. So they picked up the rights to the transporter and, oddly enough, drive. They want to tie into that hip, modern, 80s throwback feel. <laughs> How would you combine the transporter and drive into one cinematic universe? So let me set let me set the let me set the area here. Okay. So, oh, you're gonna set the scene. <laughs> let me set the scene. Okay. There's there's two banks on either side of the of town. Two drivers are hired. Loving it already. Are hired to to transport. Okay. Okay. Transport and drive. So the two robbers get in the back. Both these drivers have women co-pilots. So they're driving through town, dodging the police. They both lose the police about five minutes each into the thing, okay? And we're coming down a long road, okay? And they're coming at each other. And he thinks the car's going to turn the other way. They turn and collide with each other. Okay. Okay? They get out. And then right there, Jason Statham looks <laughs> looks at Ryan Gosling and is like, do you have insurance? Okay? Do you have, in, do you have insurance? We need, to, we need to figure this out. I'm, I'm kind of in a rush. Long stare. Long stare, music comes in right here, and then he just, yeah, yeah, I do. Hands him his insurance card, okay? Scene, okay? <laughs> okay? We come back. Cops are trying to find him. We're, we're, we're looking at the cops. This is where it goes south, all right? So, they're filling out each other's insurance information, and then that's when Jason Statham turns to him and says, if you weren't so horrible at it driving, this wouldn't have happened. Oh. Ryan Gosling, again, music comes in dun, 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 right here. Dun, dun, dun. And then he bashes Jason Statham's head into the hood of his BMW. Oh. And then Lai, who is with with it, with Frank, we'll just go back to his yeah, name, Frank. character name, Frank. With Frank, is like, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you did that. And then what the camera does, it's in front of her. And it slightly pans to the left, and Irene is standing behind her. Dun, 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 dun. Okay. <laughs> oh, she gets the music too, yeah. of course. And now she's got this devious look on her face, and then bashes Lies' head into the window to back him up. Oh. Credits. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just have the drive couple beat the crap out of the transporter couple? Yeah. And credits. Yeah. Yep. Wow. That's that's. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I did not anticipate you were going to like drive so much. I'm glad. I can't believe Just you. two people. It's redundant. <laughs> also, I like that Irene got to kick somebody's kick somebody's butt. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's uh, my first right there. Oh man. Okay, that's good. I like it. So, here's mine. Might even be slightly shorter lived than yours. In drive in the movie drive. Ryan Gosling's character is sitting in a cafe eating pie because that's a thing he does when he's not driving or sitting in Irene's house or pretending to turn wrenches under under his own car 
that's lifted up in the garage. Right. He's sitting in the cafe. There's an actual scene from Drive, eating pie, and some dude comes up. Obviously a guy he's worked with in the past, like he's driven in the past. And the guy is like, hey, do you remember me? You drove me and my brother, you know, a few years ago or whatever. And Gosling's obviously like irritated, like amateur. No, you don't come talk to me. And the scene ends where he's he's like, yeah, so I got this other job. And that's and Gosling gets all intense. That's one of the first times I think you see his character get super intense where he looks at him all of a sudden. He's like, shut your mouth or I'll kick the teeth down the kick your teeth down the back of your throat. Here's my tie in, though. The guy tells him he's like, you know, we worked with you that one time. He's like, then we hired another wheel man and got caught and went to prison. And my my brother got my brother died in prison. That other wheel man, Statham from the transporter, except that job didn't go so well. And so my cinematic universe is that movie, the job that got messed up with Statham and this guy that Gosling threatened to boot his teeth down the back of his throat. That's it. That's that's the tie, though. It was just this. Other, it's basically another transporter movie where tra- it doesn't really go well. And uh, it ties loosely into it ties into this. So basically, you're telling me you want Frank dead. He doesn't have to die. It just doesn't go well. Like he fails this mission. Mm-hmm. It could even be interesting to where like it just gets messed up for some reason. Maybe it doesn't necessarily have to be Frank's fault, but he obviously didn't do well for these guys. That'll take place after the end of the first transporter because he had to flee France because then the, after the credits of the transporter movie, then the cops were like, so uh, I know you you helped find these people, but you totally held an officer, an inspector at gunpoint and escaped custody. So you have to go to jail. So then he hops in a car and drives off and has to go to America. And that's where we met this other guy. <laughs> that's the universe. There we go. <laughs> and then maybe later your scene happens after Gosling's healed up his gut stab he's made good with irene and then they beat the crap out of <laughs> he dies i gotta be honest though like i that was one thing okay so i didn't want to tie them two together other than the idea that it's funny because they're very similar concepts just polar opposite tonally and handled very differently i didn't really want to like tie the movies in too much because i'm like they they're just so different like you don't don't do it. You're right. going to ruin them. You're going to ruin one or the other. You can't you can't combine them. But the idea of like how would a fight scene between Gosling and Statham go though? Because Ryan Gosling's tough. He seems like he can fight and when he snaps, he just rages out. Like like you said it's a focused rage, but he just loses it. Statham is all flashy like martial arts. Part of me feels like Gosling would get the crap beat out of him. Until maybe Statham, like, because if it's going to be a fight with Statham, like, Statham's still going to take some hits. You can't make it completely one-sided. Yeah. I feel like Gosling's going to be on the losing end until he gets one good hit or stab or something in. And once he gets a hold of Statham, he's going to lose it and just start pounding him. I don't know how that would end. I think Gosling would win. You think so? No. He's just got that, like, unbridled brutality. Yeah. I'd hate to see him with a baseball bat. Oh, yeah. Jesus. That hammer. It's a good thing he, like, the hammer scene could have been real bad. Right. All right. Wow. This was a good pairing, though. I'm glad. Next episode, Jasper, it'll be the first, it'll be our first episode of October, and we're going to start our Halloween stuff. I want to do it now because I just do. This episode we have had planned since before we recorded episode one. We're going to do Alien versus Predator and Freddy versus Jason so that we can do a. October Halloween 
Alien versus Predator versus Freddy versus Jason. Versus, 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 versus. Versus, versus. I'm super excited for this. Again, man, since we've come up with the idea of doing the season finales every 10 episodes, it kind of dwarfs our original idea for this episode. But the idea of like, okay, so we're going to combine these movies, but it gives us four franchises to mesh together. Mm -hmm. Plus the idea of Alien and Predator and Freddy versus Jason, like especially throwing Freddy in there. Those are wildly different, like French universes, you know? Right. Also, I don't remember liking any either of those movies. <laughs> I, I remember being I remember massively what, disappointed in I've both seen, of them. I don't think I've seen Alien vs. Predator. Really? Yeah, I've seen Freddy vs. Jason. I'm going to say right now, I hate both of them. <laughs> but again, clean slate, fresh view. Let's see how they strike me, right? Hey, you have something new. Yes, I do. Jasper. Yeah. If somebody wanted to find you on, say, Twitter, mm -hmm. where would they look? Well, okay. So uh, to explain, I got a name takedown on Twitch, so I yeah, have to sucks. I have to switch everything up. Yeah. So now Twitter, I'm still reworking the Instagram because I'm actually I have a whole new vision. I kind of want to work on that, so I put that one on pause. But are you going to tie the Twitter into it? Because maybe we should hold off on this announcement until you <laughs> yeah. decide concrete across the board. I give you such a, okay. So you change your Twitter name and I give you such a hard, I jumped on your case. I yeah. felt bad. I jumped on your case way too hard. I did, but I didn't know you had a Twitch takedown. So that sucks. Yeah, no. So, um, so now my Twitter handle is at Caronzo media, which is at K O R A N S O. Sorry. It's going to take me a while. Media, which is M E D I A. <laughs> And live, no, the no, live is gone. I can't make gone. that lame <laughs> joke every time. Yeah, uh, well, it didn't seem to fit. Kosovo media, that okay, that doesn't work as well. Caronzo, oh I don't want to, I don't want to confuse Christ. That only works in text. No, but uh, so yeah, so my Twitter is switched from there. If you go to at GCU podcast, uh, check out our profile description. What do mm -hmm. they call it? Bio. Bio, and uh, I'll have it linked in there. So I do apologize if it's thrown anybody off, but yeah, it's I've had a rebrand. Speaking of actual names, you can follow me at Randall Sylvie. It's R-A-N-D-A-L-S-I-L-V-E-Y. Uh, you can also, what? It's like, geez, he's got that down. I do. Like, you got to get the rhythm down so mm -hmm. it makes sense. That Karanz is going to throw me off for a while. It throws me off. <laughs> Somebody's like, like, hey, Kosovo. M-U-N-K-3-Y. <laughs> yeah, it becomes a song, and that way it's mm -hmm. easier to spit out when you... When you hit pimp it every episode, or you can follow at GCU podcast on Twitter or our brother slash sister slash parent podcast. I don't know what it would be. I, I, oh, I think we decided it was our parent podcast because mm -hmm. when we split off on Twitter, it was like, I don't want to list your rules anymore. Dad at Grolix podcast. And of course you can get these episodes at Grolix podcast.com. Check out the website. I added this, I changed the, the uh, homepage a little bit so that it displays, it's fancy. If you're on desktop, it displays Grox podcast episodes on the left side, GCU episodes on the right. Looks nice. Nice and clean. Nice and clean. Have to give you props for that website. It looks amazing. Thanks. I put a lot of time into it. Oh, the purple on ours, man. Oh, me too. It looks so good. I like our branding. I like the GCU branding a lot. Uh, I mean, I like the Grox branding too, but like I've been playing with that branding for five years, GCU is still new to me. So I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Plus I can pull in like stupid laser grids and VHS imagery and stuff. And that's fun to play with. Ooh, Grolic Cinematic Universe. I'll have to show you pictures of it later, Jasper. We're going to have some buttons. Jesse ordered us up some buttons. That's what he was buttons. telling me. Yeah. 
So when we hit cons up later in the future, come get some buttons. Yeah. I can't wait for it. I actually want to see what they look like. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Dun, dun, dun. This recording has been going on for over two hours. Typically, our episodes are an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah, hey, I thought this was a good one, though. I think so, too. We dove into it. We had a lot to say. Yep. Just thinking right at the end of this podcast. Just just picture just picture Ryan Gosling looking at you as this music plays right here. It looks like someone just kicked his puppy. Thanks for listening. Next movie is uh, Alien vs. Predator. Irene's not in that one. His character's name is Dead It's another guy you're seeing. The, the, the other guy that made the mess laugh, he doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs>